Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Next is now. As we've been reporting throughout the day today in Glasgow, Scotland, President Biden delivered remarks at the U.N. Climate Summit. He urged world leaders to take action to address climate change in what he called the decisive decade and uh, had many references to uh, things that were just pivotal moments, uh, things that were really going to make or break us, uh, that this was a historic moment, that history had its eyes on us. Uh, and uh, a number of other things that were very familiar language for the president uh, as it relates to this. Uh, many of these things he's been talking about uh, from the campaign trail, as well as uh, what has been going on in Washington, D.C. over the reconciliation bill and the climate component to all of that. As the president gave his address and just uh, not long after he concluded, uh, the budget battle in Congress continued to ratchet up and uh, undermine a little bit, in my perspective, his message to the world. And so that's a that's a challenging thing, I think, for the president when he is saying, hey, we're close to a historic framework in the United States. That would be a big climate package and a big investment uh, in dealing with climate uh, to turning around to see Joe Manchin saying, not so fast, my friends, let's let's add up the numbers. Let's see how this impacts real families. What does this do to inflation and a host of other things? And so a, a very challenging day for the president, uh, day one in Glasgow, Scotland. And so I want to go through a little bit of what the president said, how he said it, and uh, how that was received on the world stage as well. Remember that his audience was not just those uh, who were in attendance there in Scotland. Uh, his audience was very much the United States Congress and citizens here at home. This is a decisive decade in which we have an opportunity to prove ourselves. We can keep the goal of limiting global warming to just 1.5 degrees Celsius within our reach if we come together. If we commit to doing our part of each of our nations with determination and with ambition. That's what COP26 is all about. The president called the need for climate change action an economic imperative. Uh, saying that high energy prices uh, were also a sign that we need to pursue these climate goals in a little bit different way. I think this was one of the stronger segments of the speech for the president when he was able to connect both moral imperatives and economic imperatives and the impact that's going to have on individuals and countries around the world. And this is a moral imperative, but it's also an economic imperative. If we fuel greater growth, new jobs, better opportunities for all our people. And as we see current volatility in energy prices, rather than cast it as a reason to back off our clean energy goals, we must view it as a call to action. High energy prices only, only reinforce the urgent need to diversify diversify sources, double down on clean energy development, and adapt promising new clean energy technologies so we can not only remain overly reliant 
on one source of power to power our economies and our communities. So, again, I think that was uh, an interesting segment for the president. I think he had his uh, his best line talking about it as a moral imperative as well as an economic imperative. Uh, I struggled with his rationale in terms of rising prices in energy uh, as part of this. I, I think the solution is always an all-of-the-above strategy, in, including clean fossil fuels uh, as well as new technologies. And that part he seemed to get bogged down in just a little bit uh, in terms of how that actually adds up and what that actually means. And uh, at a time where Again, within the the framework of the bills back in Washington, D.C., one of which, the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, actually includes uh, selling off a portion of the strategic oil reserve of the United States, uh, projecting it at $75 a barrel, which means about 80,000 of those would have to be sold off uh, to help cover some of the cost. At the same time, uh, as energy prices are rising, the president has reached out to those in the Middle East, uh, asking them to produce more to try to help lower the cost and ease demand a little bit in terms of inflation. And so there's some real mixed messages there from the White House. And I think that's one that's going to be tough for them to navigate internationally as well as domestically in terms of what that actually means, what that actually does, how that will actually impact the American people. And I think that's part of the reason why Joe Manchin had a solo press conference today, one that's super rare for a United States senator to go into the press room uh, and hold their own press conference. They're Usually they're surrounded by other senators. Uh, but for Senator Manchin to go in there and say, hey, I have, I have real questions about all of this, what this actually means and how this is going to play out, And so that's going to be a real challenge for the president over the coming couple of days there in Scotland, uh, that how do you square all of those circles and make sure all of that adds up to something that does impact the environment, helps us be careful stewards of the land, and uh, doesn't drive inflation, doesn't hurt the middle class, the poor, and the most vulnerable among us. Uh, The president went on to say, and he tried to connect the dot in terms of clean energy and more jobs. When I talk to the American people about climate change, I tell them it's about jobs. It's about workers who will lay thousands of miles of transmission lines of clean, modern, resilient power grid. The auto workers who build the next generation of electric vehicles and electricians who will install a nationwide network of 500,000 vehicle stations to power them throughout my country. The engineers who will design new carbon capture systems and the construction workers who will make them a reality. So, again, some interesting uh, challenges there, I think, for the president in uh, navigating all of that. Uh, Again, you look at places like West Virginia, uh, where Joe Manchin is from, uh, and how those energy jobs uh, are being held and what the future is for many of those. How many of those can be moved to more clean energy type programs? What does that look like? I don't think we have a real clear vision of that quite yet. Uh, But President Biden concluded Uh, his speech today, which was relatively short uh, by his standards. I think it caught a few people by surprise that it was so brief. Uh, But the president concluded by announcing the administration's plan to reduce emissions around the world. That's why today I'm releasing the U.S. long-term strategy, which presents a vision of achieving the United States' goal of net zero emissions economy-wide by no later than 2050. And 
reinforces an absolutely critical nature of taking bold action with the, in the decisive decade. We're also going to try to do our part when it comes to helping the rest of the world take action as well. We want to do more to help countries around the world, especially developing countries, accelerate their clean energy transition, address pollution, and ensure the world we all must share a cleaner, safer, healthiest planet. We have an obligation to help. So as the president rounded that out, uh, again, I think probably one of the biggest challenge of all of this is who's who's on board, who's in, and how's everyone going to be held accountable for doing what they say they will do? Far too often in events like this, you have lots of photo ops, uh, lots of big stages to be on. But the real test is what actually gets done. I've been saying throughout the day today that in events like this, so often uh, more is said after all is said and done. There's not that much that gets done. Uh, But that's really the goal. And I think we all should be pulling for that to happen, that we can make some improvements, that we can come together. There are some common sense solutions. There are some bipartisan agreements to be had. There are partnerships between government and business that can be profitable and fruitful and meaningful to the American people and to the environment. I think we can all agree that we we need the land. We need to make sure we're doing those things that we can do and doing them in a way that isn't going to devastate the economy or the citizens of the world uh, because we have to keep all of those things in line and in balance. And so this is just the beginning of the conversation. The president has a lot to navigate uh, this week. Uh, both abroad and right here at home. And a lot of it is connected to climate, the environment, and energy. And we're going to continue to track it all right here on KSL News Radio. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, a Utah donut shop is getting national attention for the sign in the drive through window. What conversations it is sparking, what it all means about the labor shortage, we'll talk about it coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.